Welcome to the Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet, and purpose, and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. Today, we're speaking with Gordon Noble and Allison Atherton from the UTS Institute for Sustainable Futures. The Institute recently released some groundbreaking research examining the climate skills gap in the Australian finance industry, uh, in which they found that the demand for people with climate skills far outstrips supply. Now, this is great news for any of us who are actually in the sustainability industry and looking to leverage our salary, uh, but I think it introduces a lot more problems uh, for the industry as a whole, Gordon and Allison. So if you wouldn't mind first taking uh, an opportunity just to introduce yourself a little bit further um, and talk a little bit about this research report. Sure. Thanks, Rachel. Um, yes, so I'm uh, Alison Atherton. I work at uh, the Institute for Sustainable Futures, which is a research institute at the University of Technology, Sydney. I'm the program lead for our business economy and governance program. Um, I'll just let Gordon introduce himself and then we can talk about the research. Thanks, Alison. Uh, and I work at, with Alison as a research director at, uh, at ISF. My background is in and around the financial systems in lots of different areas from, from banking, investment management. Most recently, uh, I was the co-author of the Australian Sustainable Finance Roadmap as well. A big topic here at the Greener Way. Uh, so uh, excellent pedigree. Let's get into this this research, though. What prompted you two to write about this or explore the idea of this skills gap, particularly in the finance industry? Um, and what were the most essential conclusions that you found in the report? Yeah, so I think uh, we'd heard, I guess, anecdotally um, of, of skills gaps and um, difficulty in recruiting um, talent into sustainable finance roles. And that was supported by some research that was undertaken um, in a number of overseas jurisdictions, um, particularly in Canada and Ireland. Similar types of surveys were um, undertaken there, and they concluded that there is a gap between the demand for skills and the current supply of skills. And that really um, gelled with our understanding of, of what's happening here in Australia. And we just wanted to explore that issue in a little bit more depth and to put some um, quantitative data behind that. And that's really what inspired us to undertake the survey. And we did it in conjunction with um, the CSIRO, who also have an interest in this area. Um, and uh, what we did is that we um, sent a survey out through a number of uh, networks, so our own networks in the sustainable finance area, but also through industry organizations, so um, ABA, AIST, so it was getting to superannuation members and also to the banking sector. We've targeted sustainable finance professionals, and that meant anybody who self-identified as having some responsibility for sustainable finance in their role. The reason that we went to that group is because we were trying to find out about personal skills and uh, the need for upskilling, but also organizational skills. And it was quite difficult for us to consider who in an organization would be best placed to have an overview of the skills that would be needed, climate skills we're talking about here. And Really, we thought, well, it's it's the people who are working in those areas most closely who will have the best knowledge and information about the state of play in their organizations, and that is the sustainable finance professions. The survey really focused on climate skills, um, just to, to make it a little bit more um, granular in what we were looking at. And we asked a range of questions that tried to understand the, the personal and the organizational aspects of that. 
I guess the key things that we found were that um, the respondents to the survey, at least three quarters of them said that climate skills are in moderate to high demand in their organisation. So there's definitely demand there. The the critical thing um, is that currently the demand for climate skills is greater than supply in those organisations. So 67% of the respondents said that um, the demand was greater than supply and, and almost 40% said that there's actually much less supply than demand. So quite a, a critical gap there. Gordon, what stood out to you from the research? Look, I, I'm, I guess from my perspective, not surprised that there was, that there was a gap because what, one of the things that we've been doing also is, is, is mapping out the changes that were occurring in the, um, uh, the financial system. So we've been tracking the work of the G20 Sustainable Finance Working Group and all the international regulators and how they're basically starting to lock in uh, climate uh, into their regulatory practices. So we'd seen that start to flow through to Australia. Uh, and I guess what we was, uh, we've been arguing is that we were, we're on the cusp of seeing um, sustainable finance, ESG, responsible investment, whatever you want to call it, shifting from a voluntary to a compulsory activity. We saw we saw that in in some of the survey responses. We saw the areas where sustainable finance practitioners were uh, in demand were, were were areas where around disclosure, uh, around uh, areas that previously hadn't been sort of tasked around, for instance, climate scenarios, etc. So that you know we got some data on that. But I think that was that was interesting to see how the shift is uh, is occurring as well. Alison, um, you said as part of the research that um, individuals who participated in the survey identified moderate to high gaps in climate skills. From your perspective, can individual firms or individual companies meet the skills gap sort of within their individual ent- entities, or does this require something that's a, uh, a more industry wide or even country wide approach? Well, I think there are a number of different ways of looking at that. There are uh, I guess market leaders who are currently upskilling their own workforce and recruiting, and yes, they're going to have a bit of an advantage. Um, but there's going to be a need for much more broad scale upskilling across the entire financial system. Some individual firms may be able to meet their short term um, demand requirements, but in the longer term and even medium to long term, there isn't going to be enough supply and it's not going to be possible for individual firms to tackle that on their own. We're really talking about systemic change here that's required. And so, uh, you know, this kind of broad scale uplift that's needed, that's a, a general kind of sustainability climate literacy level, and then much more specialized roles and knowledge and expertise as well. And what we're really hoping um, will happen is that there will be much more collaboration and co-design across the financial system from the finance sector participants and from the training providers. So the professional finance training providers, uh, also universities and others to get together and to say, okay, well, looking into the future, what are the the upcoming current but also upcoming um, skills gaps? How do we upskill the current workforce? And also, how do we prepare the next generation of graduates coming through so that they all have this um, basic literacy, but also the specialist skills that are going to be needed? Now, that's the kind of um, systemic shift that a single organization really can't solve on their own. That requires coordinated effort and collaboration across the system. And also to keep track of that, to, to monitor 
Um, how's it going? You know, are, are we actually meeting the demand for skills? Is there still a shortfall? And the foresighting to say what's coming next, because we're not talking about a static demand for skills. It's going to keep shifting and changing with technology advances, with regulation, um, and and just with the the science being updated as well as to what's needed. Gordon, um, I, what I really liked in the paper uh, was this idea of a, a sustainable financial system learning ecosystem. I think having that sort of an ecosystem lens on it um, sort of leads to broader collaboration. So you call for things like an Australian Sustainable Finance Skills Report um, and a benchmarking development for an annual, sort of an annual taking of temperature and all of this. What pieces to the puzzle currently exist? Alison, you talked about, you know, university, professional providers, et cetera, et cetera. And how can they be sort of put together into this more, into this ecosystem? And then what requires work and creation thereafter? It's a good question. Um, and look, in terms of the, the idea of a benchmark, uh, what we're basically suggesting is we, we need to know where we are at any single point of time. And, and the reason is because we, we need to understand the role that finance plays. Finance is a a critical enabler. So, if we, we need to 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 um, the, the the issue is that a, a skills gap has the potential to delay transition. So, it has a cost. So, so if if skills gaps emerging, um, it's not just an issue for a firm. It's actually an issue for for our transition. The 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 language that you're using, Rachel, around a, a puzzle. Uh, the way I think about it is like a jigsaw puzzle. And so, what we've got, and it's important to to understand that we're not actually starting from the, the box. We've just opened the box. We've got the, the, the jigsaw puzzles on the table. And there's 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 two parts of that 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 jigsaw puzzle. So if you if you're on the kitchen table and you're making the the jigsaw, you know how sometimes you'll end up with pockets and you'll you'll end up with one corner, one pocket that's been built out and you'll have another pocket as well. That's what really we've got here in, in the uh, in terms of sustainability, sustainable finance. We've got one pocket, which is the finance sector. Um, have we, We've got professionals around sustainable finance, ESG, responsible investment, been working on sustainable uh, sustainability ESG issues for about 15 years. We had lots of uh, expertise, depth of expertise, internationally connected, really good insights in terms of where things are going globally. That's that's one part of the, uh, the jigsaw puzzle. We've also got within universities and research institutions, we've got another part of the puzzle, we've got depth of expertise around sustainability issues. Now, the issue for this transition is that we're going to need to find that connection between the, these two these two groups. So, and, and the reason is, is because the transition is going to involve areas of skills that the finance sector will not possess um, on a permanent basis, like biodiversity, where the natural areas of skills reside, reside elsewhere. So, one of the first things we need to do is to join you know, to join these two two um, uh, areas because they're not they're, there's there's mm -hmm. no bridge at the moment between them. There's ad hoc conversations between participants between individuals, but we need to get this, a structural bridge. And the reason we need to get a structural bridge is we can't afford a piece of research and work that's done in one university to take years to get through to the finance sector to be impacted. We need we need this this flow this flow of ideas and knowledge uh, and learning. So that's what we talked about in terms of the idea of a partnership. So this idea that we need a partnership that is government and regulators, financial institutions, universities, research institutions. We need to find that way. 
I think what we've got is we've got a lot of pieces of the, the jigsaw puzzle that are sitting off the table, right? And we need to bring them on the table. That's the future work for us to do. But we actually, the first thing to do is to work with what we've got on the jigsaw. Uh, and, and there is quite a lot of pieces already on that jigsaw. So we can work with those as the first, uh, the first piece of work. Alison, um, in conducting these interviews, the 71 responses that you got uh, that made up this research, do participants who are actually in the industry have any ideas? And as you know, sort of what do you see is how do we sort of assemble these edges and pockets with the sort of the, the weird bits in the middle that are either different flesh tones or moss colors and things that never <laughs> seem to make sense? <laughs> Yeah, um, absolutely. Just to clarify, it was an it was an online survey um, that we did, okay. so we had uh, responses to the survey, um, and yes, and we had mm -hmm. um, qualitative comments in there, and some really interesting thoughts that came out of that, and in particular in relation to that puzzle, I think where the fragmentation is currently, as Gordon alluded to, both within the organisations in the finance sector, but also with the provision of training. Um, is that you know individual training providers and universities have got specific offerings, whether that be short courses or modules within um, uh, undergraduate degrees, for example. But it's not kind of a cohesive plan to upskill across an entire sector, which is what we need. And one of the difficulties that individual organisations have, even with answering the question about demand for climate skills, is that there isn't really a standard or any kind of competency framework that they can use to say, oh, well, this is what we actually need. So that's what mm. organizations are grappling with a little bit at the minute, that it's a very reactive process. Oh, suddenly we need to do climate scenario analysis. Oh, suddenly we're going to have to do mandatory reporting. And so we need some people who can do that for us. But um, it's hard for them currently to have that foresight as to what they're going to need in the next couple of years, or at least mm. it's not the conversations aren't happening, happening systemically. And mm. so we think, you know, a very concrete thing would be to even have some kind of basic competency framework for climate skills, for example, that any organization could look at and say, all right, well, we need to have this, this and this. How are we going to achieve that? The mind boggles to think about what that competency questionnaire might look like. Um, you know, I think one of the the things that I enjoy about the space is that it draws on so many passionate minds across so many disciplines. Uh, but that would be an absolute nightmare to try and reduce to even a, a even a qualitative questionnaire. Um, are there other people that you both are in contact with who are starting to do that work and and sort of corral the unruly? <laughs> I look just. I mean. Uh, internationally, this work has already been done. Uh, one of the things okay. we we looked at is um, uh, Australia's trading partners. So, uh, and Alison's mentioned Ireland, but uh, and Canada, but uh, you've also got the United Kingdom, Singapore, Hong Kong, um, mm. Japan. Um, they've all got areas of focus around uh, competency um, mm -hmm. skills, uh, sustainable mm -hmm. finance skills. Um, competency frameworks have been built in other markets. Um, I think if we look at the the language around harmonisation that we're seeing in areas like the International Sustainability Standards Board, that's going to flow through in terms of this conversation. So so we can leverage off what others are doing. We can put a unique Australian spin on it, um, you know, but, you know, if others have been doing this. We, we're a little bit late to the table, it's fair to say. Well, look, I'm glad to hear it's not quite so daunting a challenge as it might be. <laughs>
So in addition to coming up with this skills competency framework um, and coming up with this partnership and then the benchmark, um, what are the critical next steps uh, to both of you? And what are you focusing on in talking more broadly with finance industry, uh, sort of 2023, 2024? I think really the things that you've already mentioned, the partnership is really key. So actually getting people to start having conversations with each other. Um, now, we need some practical mechanism for that to start happening, um, but we really need to get a little bit more of um, a good understanding of what the specific demand is within uh, across the finance system in terms of the skills. I mean, our survey, you know, we outlined a series of skills, but we need a lot more granular information about that. Um, and so that that requires that kind of conversation and dialogue, but also increasing understanding across the finance system itself about what's coming because it's a little bit chicken and egg that it's difficult for training providers to provide the relevant um, courses if there if the demand isn't there in that kind of really um, deep sense so currently it's it's quite niche to get that broad scale uplift again it needs to be um, much more across the whole system but the whole system doesn't necessarily yet realize exactly what it needs and so I think having those dialogues to really elevate the issue, to begin to explore it in more depth, to become more granular about the needs and the demands, that's a really critical next step. So it's a little bit of almost a gaps analysis of what do we currently have and what do we need and how do we get there? To, to add to that, I, I mean, I think the danger in this area is that um, we, we take uh, institutions, uh, run a training course and think job, job's done. Right, and this comes back to understanding that we're, we're talking about a transition that's twenty years. It's going to be beyond our careers, so mm. there will, in the end, need to be, you know, um, structural mechanisms. What they are, they they're going to depend on consultations, on bringing people together and, and building that that common understanding. I think the challenge still in parts of the industry is that there's likely to think that um, you can you can actually uh, meet the demands. By a bit of you know a, a, a training course for some individuals, um, and I think getting the understanding that that's not going to cut it that that we're, we're going to need to do more. And I think as we we move into twenty twenty three, twenty four, and beyond, I I think the the understanding that there will Australia will need some structural mechanisms to take this forward. So that requires some leadership, and that's a conversation that you know we we like we'll, we'll be having with uh, with appropriate people as well. I think there's. Often a tendency, and it's not just in this area, but in many other areas as well, to think about solving the problem lots of different ways and then to think about the skills issue after you've done everything else. Um, and that means that you can actually delay the transition. And we're seeing this now, for example, in the renewable energy sector. You have to think about the skills issue at the beginning at the same time as you're thinking about everything else. So if you're thinking about mandatory disclosure, for example, you need to be thinking about, well, how are we going to implement that? And what kind of skills are we going to need across the board in order to be able to do that efficiently and effectively? If you wait until you've tried to roll it out and then you realise you don't have the people, it's too late. And so there is some urgency to actually having these conversations um, as soon as possible so that we can actually start to plan and prepare for what's coming. I often joke that uh, sustainability is the ultimate yes and. You need to do everything all together all at once. (laughs) Yes. 
All right. Well, Gordon and Allison, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I'm going to drop a link to your report into the show notes because I encourage uh, listeners to the podcast to check it out. It was uh, it was clear, it was concise, and there's some really interesting, urgent calls to action in there that I think uh, people should pay attention to. So thank you both for your time today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Greener Way podcast. If you like today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback? Contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allen Backus. The Greener Way podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service License and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.